Welcome to the Watch and Learn Show, where we talk about life lessons we learn from movies new and old, and we have a bit of fun along the way. And now, here's the host, Sky and Dusty. Hey, hey, movie maniacs. Welcome back to the Watch and Learn podcast. We appreciate your eyeballs and your ears. My name is Sky Matsuhashi, and I'm joined in these turbulent, chaotic, uh, ooh, very lovely dust, these turbulent, chaotic times by my brother, Dusty Dust. What is going on? Oh, man, I'm doing fantastic. Well, right now we have a little bit of uh, interesting stuff going on. We don't normally talk about things that are going on in the world because we don't know when somebody's actually going to be listening to the podcast. But it's literally wide known about the coronavirus. And this is like literally when everybody's quarantined and you know, you have to be locked down. You know what? I So I teach people how to invest in real estate. And I had a call with somebody that um, I'm, I'm coaching. He lives in Spain. So anyways, fantastic guy. He lives in Spain. He wants to invest in real estate. So I'm coaching him and everything. But he was telling me, he goes, yeah, in a, he has a strong accent. I can't use his accent. I don't know how to do it. But uh, mm. strong accent says, yeah, in Spain, we don't have freedom. So the military is literally roaming the streets, keeping people inside of their houses. We cannot leave our houses. Like, oh my goodness, I love America. Obviously, it's sad that people are getting sick. But at the same time, I went to the gym today. Yesterday, I went skiing. The day before that, I went skiing, you know, snow skiing again and like literally do whatever we want. And anyways, so it's just a little rough out there. And so hopefully everybody's safe and not getting sick. Yeah, hopefully our audience is. And that's that's a little bit surprising to me. I guess, you know, every state has its own ways of responding to this. And I know in California, all gyms are closed or I don't know if it's an order by the governor or if it's just a recommendation, but most gyms at least are closed right now. And most other places, even Disneyland and around the world, Disneyland resorts closed and everything. But yeah, it's crazy right now. I'm hoping in a few months things get back to normal once things kind of calm down and get under control. But, you know, we just have to deal with it the best we can. And one of the things for you and I, because we're we're self-employed business owners, we don't have a job to go to where we're actually barred from working right now, you know? Um, so you and I are lucky in that regards. And you know, what's interesting is a lot of people are, and th- this might actually change the way businesses and employment is run because a lot of people are forcing their employees to work from home from the computer. And then if you think at a time of crisis like this, if I can work from home, why can't I do it once we return? Why do I have to ever go back in again? You know, this might be a huge pivotal turning point probably for America, but for other countries as well, you know, in this internet age that we have. Yeah, you would think so. I remember working my job and I was like, why in the crap am I here? Everything's on the computer. Like literally, obviously now I don't work a job. I love not working a job, but everything that we do now, I mean, it's online is just amazing and everything. But yeah, so all the gyms in my area are closed and it's more of, you know, President Trump gave a suggestion, hey, we really strongly encourage you. We're not going to mandate it, but uh, we're strongly encourage you to not you're basically to close down and everything's not a necessity and all that sort of stuff for two weeks. And in our state, in Arizona, the governor said, you know, we really encourage you to close down. I was so proud of my gym. It, they literally said, unless we're mandated, where we're literally barred, like they're going to, uh, they may pass a law or whatever to close. We are not going to close because my perspective is, yeah, people are going to get sick. But at the same time in Arizona, there's literally like six cases of it. I'm like, in all of Arizona, we have to lock down all of Arizona for six cases in Arizona. Now, I understand San Francisco, um, you know, San Diego. Densely populated areas. and Yeah, yeah, I can understand. But literally shutting down the entire country, 
when there is like six cases here in this state, one case in another state, two cases in another state. I'm like, this is just, it's overblown. Anyways, I, I kind of think that it'll blow over. I remember H1N1. Remember when that mm-hmm. came in? Yeah. Swine flu, SARS, MERS. But we got lucky with those. They didn't hit our country all that hard. And then so we didn't have to go through this quarantining and stuff. But but I guess for whatever reason, I guess maybe this is slightly more contagious and it just scares people a lot. Well, uh, one thing that they're doing is definitely hyping it up. Or they're yeah. making it... That's the true. media seems like it's making a little more out of it than it probably should. Um, and the market, like the market's destroyed. I mean, the, the stock market, the economy, ugh, it's, it's just not... I, I think it, we need to protect ourselves. We need to be precautious and all that sort of stuff. But literally destroying the economy is not right. And they're going to, oh, I don't want to get into it because I'm going to yeah. keep going down. Like, I'm more <laughs> of a, uh, I don't want to give a trillion dollars to people. That's another thing they're talking about doing is giving a trillion dollars to people. Like what in the, why? Uh, number one, you're telling them to stop working. Number two, you're saying you can't work for a month. And then number three, we're going to pay you out of the, the future. Like our kids are going to be paying for it. Oh, it's just, it's rough. Yeah. Oh well, it is. so hey. we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But let's get to some good news. In yes. last week's episode, we did a uh, Kingsman, and of course, we t- we said Coming to America was going to be the movie. And you and I had thought maybe we'll do Bloodshot, but then with this whole no movie theater thing, we said screw it. We did Coming to America, and I'm so glad that we decided to go through with this one, man. I absolutely loved it. Maybe it was 15, 20 years since I saw it last but totally worth rewatching for everybody who has not gone out and bought the DVD or rented on Amazon. You've got to see this one again. And so for everybody who is on YouTube watching us, go to the watch and learn podcast.com forward slash YouTube. And so I'm holding up a globe and you can see the globe right there. There's England. We just did Kingsman. They're from England. And then now we're in Africa. I'm holding up the globe and you can see Africa. We're talking about Oh my goodness, I really enjoyed this movie, Coming to America. We have um, uh, Zamundi, uh, Zamundi, right? That's the name of the country? Zamunda. Uh, Zamun- Zamunda, yeah, it's Zamunda. I, I, I haven't watched this movie in a good maybe 10, 12, maybe even 15 years. Yeah, just I've like me, it. a long time. Yeah, and I've seen it many, many times. This is probably, I would say, maybe the 10th or 11th time. So good. Um, all the acting in there is phenomenal. I really thought that every, like, especially with um, Eddie Murphy playing many characters, Arsenio Hall playing many characters, the storyline was really enjoyable. It makes you feel good at the very end. Like the whole thing is just, you know, it's like somebody who could absolutely, me and the prince, have a chip on their shoulder thinking they're like Daryl, being like Daryl is absolutely not. That just shows his character really, really enjoy the entire story. Very fun to watch all over again. I agree with you 100%. And speaking of character and having, you know, being a good, like upstanding citizen, I don't want to say that exactly, a good upstanding citizen. It surprised me how, when I rewatch this now, um, seeing um, Eddie Murphy's character, he is like supposed to be 21 or 22 years old. And he is like, so wise, right? Like he, he has all these quotes. He has these ideas about how the world should work and what you should do and how you should treat people and what your wife should be like. I mean, so much stuff. He is so worldly wise. And at the beginning of the movie, I thought to myself, how is he, he's been pampered. Why doesn't he have this kind of attitude? Like I'm the bomb, you know, but I, at some point later on in the movie, he said he reads a ton of books and, and he learns from books and stuff. So I guess that's where he got his worldly wise, wiseness. But did you pick up on that as well as, as well? 
Yeah, as he was talking with inside the restaurant when Mortimer and Randolph came and said, thank you. That, that was, love that. But she's talking to him and said, what did you do? Oh, I'm the goat herder. Well, being a goat herder, you have lots of time. And so read a lot that's of books. What, that's yeah. what it was. I, okay, now that you mentioned that, I remember that part there. And, and, and you, you said, know, oh, go ahead. You had a great point. Being only 21 years old, when I was 21, man, I was an arrogant, I'm still pretty arrogant, but a really, really arrogant, you know, a prideful person. And as I've gotten older, the older I get, the more I realize that, hey, I'm not the most important person in the world. There are so many other people are more important. In fact, whenever I, at least I, as best I, as I can, I always try to treat that one person, whoever I'm talking to at that time, like they're the only person in the world. I always, I've always never liked it. I've always never, <laughs> I've never liked it when people, like I'm talking to somebody and it feels like they're waiting to talk to somebody else or something else is going to go on. And they're just like, oh, humoring me. I always hate it when people do that to me. So I made it a point to not do that. So anytime I'm talking to one person, I don't care who it is. Could be, oh, give you an example. We went skiing two days ago and the day before this. We went two days, skiing two days in a row and we were riding in the elevator. This is old gentleman um, uh, in the, in the um, elevator with us. We're getting breakfast. We're coming out, you know, me and the four kids. And the old gentleman, as soon as we're exiting, the kids run off and they go into the, ho- the hotel room from the elevator. And this old gentleman's really nice, got a cowboy hat on. Um, I think he's American Indian, a really, really nice guy. But he just really slowly just said something basic. I couldn't understand every bit of a word, but you know, I'm getting ready to go skiing. I'm just thinking in my head, man, I really got to get, get going, got to get in the car, got to go skiing. But he stops and he starts talking to me and he says, Oh, it's a lovely, you know, young kids he got there. And he proceeded me to talk to he, me about his his wife who passed away. And he's now raising two kids, uh, like his grandkids. And he has kids and all this sort of stuff. I literally stood there and I listened to him. I gave him 100% of my time, even though in my brain, I know, and I really would like to get going. I'm like, man, this guy, he probably doesn't get to talk to anybody. Let me yeah. just be here for him. And so I literally sat there for a good three minutes, maybe five minutes. The kids are like, daddy, what's going on? I said, just wait. He's talking to me just, you know, and we're cordial and very friendly and said, you know, it was great talking to you, sir. And, and then left. That's just, and I love how in this movie, Akeem is very, he, he could be this prideful, arrogant, rich, you know, spoiled person, just like, um, who's his, who's Arsenio Hall was his Semi. name. Semi, like Semi is acting like the prince, like he would be the prince. But Akeem is much more wise than his age actually lets on. And reading books is a great way to have perspective from other people who have lived longer than you that can say, hey, this is the right way to live. This actually makes people feel better, be better around you and all that sort of stuff. And um, what's her name? His, his um, uh, shoot, uh, Denise, Lisa? was that her name? Lisa? Lisa. I say Denise. Yeah, Lisa. She said, you know, everybody loves you. Like you have this effect on people. And so, I just met yeah. that man in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just the man I met in the restroom. Yeah. <laughs> He's bowing to you. Yeah. <laughs> he so, does yeah, have that crazy great, effect great on people. And like you said, you could tell when he's sitting there, when he's talking to Mr. McDowell, talking to Lisa, he's focused on her 100%, totally listening, and then he's responding. You could tell, um, I think that was a really important and really awesome like character choice that Eddie Murphy made. Eddie Murphy was one of the writers for this movie, wasn't he? I don't recall. I should have looked that up. Uh, I think he was. But yeah, yeah. So so I I think it was a really good choice on his part to be that kind of – just, just really paying attention to the world and, and, and open and honest with everybody around him. I thought that was great. It was probably in the writing as well. Um, but I, I would imagine that Eddie Murphy took that on. He did a great job in his role. 
I thought Eddie Murphy, yeah, he is one of the writers as well as David uh, Sheffield. Um, and that's, but the only ones I really know, but Eddie Murphy, um, he is developed the storyline and I really like Akeem's character. I mean, every bit of the movie, it never really changes. Like the way he reacts to every single situation is very similar in every single uh, way. And I really appreciated it. And you could just see like you could almost feel what he's feeling in every single moment. Like when he, when something happens where he could like blow up, you could see him just pause and look and then big grin on his face and mm-hmm. smile. Cause like, ah, no, it's okay. No big deal. It's that's we're played apart and yep. uh, we're moving on. But yeah, I think that the storyline was really, really fun throughout the entire movie. I agree with you. And, um, you know, one of the things when I look at movies, I always like to think about the character development, the character arcs of the different, uh, uh, the main character, those characters of the story. And I don't think anybody, it, this is, this is one of those interesting movies that sucks you in. You really enjoy it. You're having a lot of fun, but nobody really grows as a character. Um, maybe not, not even, I, I can't think of anybody. Semi is the exact same spoiled, pampered, uh, nephew or whatever he is throughout. Akeem is the same. Lisa seems to be about the same. Like none of the main characters. Daryl is just a jerk the entire movie, right? He never learns anything. The sister Lisa's or Lisa, Lisa's sister is just a horn dog throughout. Nobody changes at all, which is one of the interesting things. No character development, but it's still a really fun, enjoyable movie watching these characters interact. There was one character development that he very, very much grew it was Samuel L. Jackson. You know, being <laughs> he the, learned the, the error of his ways. He definitely learned that he's not going <laughs> to he's, he's broken in that place five times. He's not going to break in again. But I remember watching Samuel L. He has a face and the way he played it. Like I was like when I first watched it, when we were kids thinking, my goodness, this guy is, he, he is serious. Like I would not want to be in that place. What in the world? How is Hakeem doing that? And all that sort of stuff. I, I would not do that because Samuel did such a fantastic job. Like you believe him when he's playing that. And so I just remember from that movie, every single other movie that I see Samuel L inside, I'm always thinking of coming to America for some reason. It's just stuck in my brain that this is the very first movie I've ever seen Samuel. But I agree with you. The character arc, you don't really see any, but even the dad, like Mr. McDowell, he doesn't change. He's still, you know, happy about being rich. And um, the only one is the dad. The, the, King Joffy Joffer? King Joffy Joffer. He's the one that changes as she, his wife, finally says, well, I thought you were the king. You know, yeah. You can change this. So he, you could see he is the only one that actually does the changing because he wasn't going to let it happen. You could see the very end. You, Akeem, it was a surprise to him. He literally thought he was going to marry the, the same lady. So it was also going to go through. And so he didn't have to change, but he yeah. literally did change and brought her in. Yep. Yep. And speaking of the King, um, I found it really interesting. It's a really weird idea for the King. He, he thought his son wanted to go to America and sow his Royal oats as a King. Do you really want your son, the Prince possibly spreading his seed? And then you have a thousand um, pretenders to the throne or, you know, people vying for the throne in 20 years from now, just seems like kind of a bad idea to send your son off to America to do that. If, Black Panther taught me anything. You know, the movie Black Panther is that somebody that can come in the, the line lineage of however it could be could come back and fight you in the waterfalls of, of death and actually, you know, take over the throne. So we don't want to do that. That's your nail on the head. Completely right. No sowing the seeds. But what it comes down to, the king 
literally just doesn't listen to his son, doesn't listen to what his son has to say, or doesn't even mm-hmm. take his opinion. It's like, oh, you just want to sell your oats? Okay, let's go ahead and do that. And just cuts it off. And you have a king just sitting there kind of like, uh. <laughs> yeah, but he got what he wanted to go to America and to experience a new culture and possibly find a new wife. And great, he's happy with that. You know, hopefully my, my guess is from his perspective, he'll go to America, meet the right woman, bring her back and now convince dad that I should marry her because she's so great, you know? Yes, I, I definitely agree with that. Now, thinking of Joffy Jeffer being the type of dad who literally just tells his son how it is or tells everybody how it is, um, I got to give you a, a little bit of a dad win um, last night. So um, last night, Elias comes in, my, our, he's our second oldest, um, comes into the, the bedroom. Melissa and I are talking about all the craziness going on. And I'm getting a little irritated about certain, like just everything's literally closing down around us because of this. But anyways, I'm not most happy. Elias comes in, Hey dad, can I have a glass of milk? And I say, I say, no, your mom wanted you to do that. Like, I'm really serious. Like you got to do this. You got to do this. Then you can have milk. And he walks, he goes, okay, dad, and walks out. And I realized like, I, I was really too rough, like really too aggressive. Like he didn't, he, he wasn't expecting that or didn't need that, all that sort of stuff. Meaning I, I called him back and I said, Hey, Elias, come back here. He came back in. I said, Hey buddy, I really apologize. I should not have acted like that. It was, there was no need for it acting like that. And on top of that reason why I was a little more, not aggressive, but like um, stern is because mm-hmm. mommy and dad are talking about other things that, that has nothing to do with you. So I apologize. So yeah, please go ahead and clean this up and then you can have milk. He's all, okay, dad. Yeah, I knew you were fine. I knew that, you know, you had other things on your mind. So, but I, I, I appreciate it. Or I forgive you. And he walked out and I'm like, yes, that was a good win. So yeah. being a dad, being able to, um, number one, apologize to your kids, I think is a great thing that you can do, especially when you're wrong. You know, your kids know when you're wrong. They absolutely know when you're wrong. So if you could apologize for that, it's really helpful. But as a king, King Joffrey Jeffer, literally not listening to your son of what he wants, that really, uh, it's not the best thing to do. No, not at all. And uh, I like that story, that win of yours, that dad win of yours. Um, you know what else I liked from this movie? The royal penis is clean. <laughs> That's the number one thing I always remember. Like, it just, it's out of nowhere. The royal penis is clean, your highness. <laughs> and Eddie Murphy's just, <sighs> like, it's, like, it's, like, it's not even satisfying. It's just like, like he's ah. tired of it. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. this is just a Tuesday. It's the same thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I know. And he said, you know, can I just for once go to the bathroom by myself and wipers come in? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I they went absolutely over the top in a good way, like helping us to realize like he has everything done for him, everything from wiping his backside to, you know, putting on his shoes or getting dressed or anything. Yep. It's literally done for him when his dad, King Joffy Jeffer says, I've tied my shoes once before. It's what do you say? Uh, it's not as it's not as it's over. No. What did he say? It was something like. Uh, it's not as good as, as it comes out to be or something like that. But he's yeah. like, I done it once. I'm not mm-hmm. going to do it again. And then when he says, my son works. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yep. So they definitely um, did a good oh. job making you feel like, hey, he is literally pampered. This is totally outside of what we would think a prince would act. A prince like this should act like everything. He owns everything. And so it really is a change of... um dynamic that we would normally see. And it helps us to really grab on, like to really like Akeem because his personality is really likable. For sure. It is 100%. Um, let me see. Now you're, you're of course known for your quotes and remembering movie quotes. Anything else from this movie that you really uh, found super funny? 
So yeah, there, there, are, there are loads and loads of them. Um, so first one that I really, that I didn't really get until watching it all over again just now is that the dad said, or when the prince, or sorry, the king and the queen are talking to the prince and saying how, you know, I'm nervous or I've never met her and all that sort of stuff. And the queen says, um, yeah, when I first met your father, I was nauseous. And uh, the king says, son, there's a fine line between between love and nausea. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, and the queen one. looks at him like, uh, like, like, are you kidding? Like, that's just horrible thing to say. Yeah, but it's the king; he can say whatever. He that's wants. right, he is. Uh, let me see. One of the, one of my favorites was uh, <laughs> Eddie Murphy when he's the barber. F you, f you, and f you. Who's next? Who's next? <laughs> Such a good line. <laughs> Oh, Kunta Kinte. Oh, I love him as a Jewish guy. Yeah. Uh, Kunta Kinte. Did you watch it? I'm going to jump to the very end. Did you watch the, the outtakes where he's all, hey, I got to tell you a story. <laughs> he tells yep. him a joke. He's all, the waiter comes. I'm not going to go through this whole story, but then you get all of a sudden, where's the spoon? Ah, I love it. That is so yeah, good. I, I honestly would probably go get... Uh, I would say yes. I would absolutely go get my hair cut there just yeah. to listen to those guys. Like you see Cuba Gooding Jr. in the chair getting his hair cut. That was awesome. Yep. That was awesome. Um, one of the things, so I'd, I'd never heard this before, but um, uh, Semi, um, oh gosh, Arsenio Hall, Arsenio. when he played the preacher up at the Black Miss America pageant, um, it was a great, he said, when Lisa came up on stage, he said, you look so good. Somebody should put you on a plate and sop you up with a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> one of the best lines. And then later on, he goes, he says, you know, praise God up above Hugh Hefner on high. <laughs> <laughs> he did say that. I know. Yeah. I was like, oh my goodness. Such and good stuff. Arsenio was- Hall, he did a great job in this movie. It's it's kind of funny how he hasn't really acted in much since then. I mean, Eddie Murphy's kind of taken it back. But throughout the 90s, Eddie Murphy was in a ton of movies, early 2000s as well. Maybe Arsenio Hall just doesn't really like it, maybe. Oh, uh, yeah, that that might be it. Um, it but he, he delivered really some funny good. lines and he has a great expression, like a, a face full of expression. You know, when he was the ugly woman in the bar, I want you and your friend too. So good. <laughs> yeah. I love how each uh, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall played many different characters. I just really enjoy movies where actually Eddie Murphy and um, uh, Mike Myers, those two movies are where they actually play different characters. Are really fun. My, honestly, one of my favorite ones. I can't remember his name, but the, I remember the band Sexual Chocolate. Yes, Sexual Chocolate, everybody. Sexual Chocolate. And it just Randy Watson. Randy Watson. Hey, this bit's my boy's good. That boy's yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, <you> mind. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love that. And uh, what do you think about Daryl? I, I want to quickly talk about Daryl and Daryl's character. What are your thoughts about him? He's just a stuck-up, douchey, rich boy. That's all he is. Such a jerk. And it's weird. So, obviously, Lisa didn't want to marry him, but she was with him as her, you know, boyfriend to make her dad happy because that's probably what her dad wanted. Um, you know, he like her dad was pushing her on, you know, he's rich. He, he can take care of you, all that kind of stuff. So, she was with him for that. And maybe he was kind of nice sometimes, but for the most part, just a douchey, rich guy. And um, I'm glad that... Uh, uh, he didn't, uh, I don't know, win the girl in the end, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we've seen, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, but he's been on plenty of other things. He's also been on TV shows. I remember, I don't remember if it was like Law and Order or something. But anyways, he's been, um, and he's a really, really good actor. I really enjoyed him. And in this this movie, 
you really just didn't like him. He wasn't necessarily an antagonist, which he kind of was a little bit at the basketball game and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you just really don't like him just because of how he is so self-centered. He, like yeah. I said, acts as if Akeem, Akeem would, like if he yeah. was the prince. Like that's what you would perceive somebody acting. So I like the, uh, I don't know, the, the difference between the two. You have somebody who is a prince who doesn't act like that and the one who is not, who completely wants to act like that. So yeah, the difference. But then also you have Lisa's sister. I can't remember her name either. But I, I'm never really remembering many of their names. But the, uh, her sister, Lisa's sister, is definitely uh, – she and Daryl go hand-in-hand hand together. They're perfect together. As soon as one of them get doesn't get what they want anymore out of the other, out of the other they will literally drop them. Like, okay, I'm not going to be with you anymore because you're useless to me now. That's just how they are. They both deserve each other. Yeah, for sure. 100% agree with you there. Um, did you catch there were three instances where – the one of the characters kind of broke the fourth wall and Akeem, I just can't remember the different parts. I, I just remember him. Akeem once sent me another time. And then Daryl at the very end, when the, the younger sister came on to him in the bedroom, they all look in the camera like, can you believe what's happening right here? And I like all those I do breaking that. the fourth wall moments. I, I do absolutely remember each one of those. Hmm. For some reason, when I think of Come to America, there's just many scenes that pop into my mind. For some reason, one of them that really pops into my mind is when you have Akeem and Lisa. Lisa sitting on the the swing outside, and you have Akeem come by and offer champagne. Well, he finally sits down, and he sits down, but he sits upright, like really regal. And she goes, you got to relax. And he goes, oh, I can be loose. And he goes, and he punches <laughs> down over Really good. For some reason, I always think of that scene. That of many, you know, obviously the royal penis is clean, Your Highness. That that's that's one. Um, this one's another one. Love Samuel L. You know, with the shotgun and everything. There's there's so many great scenes. I would have to say, and I want to ask you what your favorite scene is. My favorite. I don't know that what I always go back to remembering is sexual chocolate, and I I love even though it was literally a quick like. Oh, 30 seconds, but just that, like, he's so, the character is so hilarious and so funny, so spot on. And on top of that, you have Arsenio Hall, you have him doing everything, uh, being the preacher. You also have the sexual chocolate, but then you also, I have you, or you haven't watched, um, uh, psych. Well in psych, what's really fun about psych is they, they do, um, one guy's black and one guy's white. Well, the black guy is a part of a um, acapella group of three people. Well, the white guy says, I want to be a part of it. And so he joins these three black guys. So there's four of them. Guess what he calls, like the white guy calls it. Can you guess? Sexual chocolate? No, or- no. It, it, it's not sexual <laughs> chocolate. It's quarter black. So quarter black. And I'm Wait, like, quarter black? <laughs> exactly. That's why it's so funny. It's so, it's, it's for, I don't know why, but it got me think like those, those sexual chocolate and quarter black comes to my mind. But that's the thing. Throughout the whole uh, like episode or a couple episodes where they have quarter black, they're like, why are, why are you calling it quarter black? There's three of us and one of you. It should be three quarters black. He's, no, no, quarter black sounds better. <laughs> How funny is that? Um, I agree with you. That is my favorite scene. The whole Black America uh, pageant along with Randy Watson's sexual chocolate, of course. And then um, also the reason why that really stands out is because I just now, those two lines that I gave you from when, when he was the preacher, Hugh Hefner up on high and then sop you up with a biscuit. Uh, 
I'd never heard those before. Like, I'm sure I've heard them, but they didn't enter my, my consciousness, you know? So absolutely loved it because of that. But my favorite tiny little snippet was when the king arrives at Semi's door, he opens it ah! and closes it. Real. I laugh every single time I see that. Love it. Uh, yeah, and the way Arsenio Hall does it, he's really good. I mean, I remember him in his, hoo, 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 you know, shaking his arm. That was his thing in his, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, talk show, night, night show. show. Talk show thing. Really, really good. He's really, really funny. I remember watching him on The Apprentice. Did you ever watch that? I did not see that season, but I think that was a season with Adam Carolla. So I've learned a lot about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, really. Re- I mean, just in general, he's seems like a pretty okay guy. I don't know, you know, much more than watching the apprentice. He did well there. Um, plus just seeing him in general on these, these movies and the way he acts is very, very funny comedian. I think he and Eddie Murphy were perfect po- uh, for these roles. What do you think? 100% agree with you. I couldn't see anybody else doing these roles. They, they, they pulled it off perfectly. So I agree with you. Now, what would you think, what, if there is a part two, what would the part two be? Part two would be, let me see, this was 1988, right? So basically 32 years later, I bet you, wait, 12, yeah, 32 years later. I mean, I bet you now him and Lisa have a kid and the kid wants to go to America also. Or maybe, maybe they even emigrated to America once and he was living as a prince while his father was still. Is James Earl Jones still alive? Oh, that's a good question. Because if so, he could still be King Joffy Joffer, still leading things. He doesn't want to give up his rule. Oh, maybe that's what it is. The king doesn't want to give up his rule. He's finally 90 years old. He's deciding it's time to give it up. So Akeem and Lisa have to return with their 30-year-old. And they know what Zamunda's like. They know what it's like to live in royalty. But their son has been in America this whole time. Maybe prep schools and stuff. But maybe it's their son now. But actually, it's... It would be called Coming to America too, huh? I don't know. That's just my first initial idea. They're actually going back to, so maybe it's Returning to Africa maybe instead could be the movie title. I don't know. <laughs> Coming to Africa. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just looked up James Earl Jones is still actually alive. He's like 89 years old. Hmm. So he's he's fairly, you know, up there in age, but he could still be the king. In fact, you know, he, I think you're king until you die, I think, but I'm not Unless sure. you give it up. I, I think they'll always call you king, but at least you're not, uh, the one in charge anymore. Yeah. So it seems like what might be fun is if they flip it, if they instead have, instead of the Prince, the new Prince, like Eddie Murphy's kid or uh, Akeem and Lisa's kid, actually, instead of being humble and all that sort of stuff, he's actually the worst kid ever. And then he has to come and learn and become a, a man and be humble and he literally gets destroyed. Like the world gets taken away from him and then he comes back or something like that. I could kind of see something like that. Not because doing the same thing over again, they're not going to do that. But doing something that, that takes a similar story, but then switching it might be rather fun. Yeah, he could be like an entitled 30-year-old millennial Fortnite player, esports lover, doesn't want to do anything except that. And his parents want more from him out of this life, you know? Yeah, it very well could be that. I think that might be a good idea. Uh, but yeah, so if there were one, I think it would be fun to have um, uh, Arsuna Hall on there as well. I think oh, he's yeah. a fantastic actor. But what was great, there were so many good actors in there. I mean, so many, uh, oh, what was the, the big Louis Anderson? Guy? Louis Anderson. <laughs> you never hear of him anymore, but you obviously don't. we knew him as a stand-up comic. He's in plenty of other movies. Really, really funny. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed how they got a lot of good actors inside the movie. 
Yeah. I like the guy. I can't, I don't know his name, but he plays Mr. McDowell. I always liked him. And every time I see him, I automatically think of Die Hard to in his white um, parka, whatever military outfit, you know, out in the snow. I always just think of him from that. Yes. He's got a strong personality and I think he, he's great for this part. The best acting in this entire movie though was Cuba Gooding Jr. Yes. My goodness. He was sitting there phenomenal. not saying a word. Yeah, that is hard to do. Do you know how hard it is to not say a word and just smile and nod? Yeah. <laughs> that was bro, so that tough, set man. Him you know, you want to say something. Sure. Eddie Murphy's talking. Arsenio Hall's talking. But when do I get to talk? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. You able to reserve yourself. But that's, that's really what got Cuba Gooding Jr. off onto, you know, acting and being like the, a star that he, he was. Not so much anymore. You don't see him very much. Um, uh, yeah, he went straight his- from coming to America to Jerry Maguire. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what took him off. But uh, yep. yeah, so the entire movie, I really liked how um, the, the, just the progression. They had a really good progression throughout the entire storyline of telling the story and him trying to find a woman and then finding one. So let's jump in. Oh, I told my favorite scene. Was your favorite scene also? Did you say that it was the sexual chocolate one? The exact same scene. Yes. It's, it's hard to forget that. I mean, it's hard it to is. like, it's hard to top that. Everything about it was so funny. So let's get into the lessons. My first lesson that um, you want, and I actually, a lot of, there are two of these lessons um, come from the barber, uh, Eddie Murphy, the bar- barber. He says, so the first one is you don't go to bars to find good women. You just don't like that. That's your first mistake. Like, where'd you go? Oh, I went to the bars. Uh, as your first mistake. You got to go to uh, see libraries. Those are good. Uh, churches. Those are good. And go to this one, this one thing. And that's where he went. And I completely agree. So when I was, uh, I would think it was like 24, 25 ish. I was like, you know what? It might be time for me to get married. And I started looking around and at my church, there wasn't anybody else that I was going to get married to. Cause there, I just met everybody and it was, it wasn't right fit at my work. Definitely nobody at the work. Um, and, but then I couldn't find anybody else. So I went on to eHarmony. I wasn't going to go to bars. I wasn't going to go clubbing or anything like that. That's just not me. That's not my personality. I actually feel uncomfortable in those places. And I was like, you know, even if I find somebody in there, it might not be the right person for me. So I went out of eHarmony, praise the Lord, 14 years later, been married. Everything's going, you know, fantastic. So met on eHarmony, nine months later, got married and been married for almost 14 years. May will be 14 years. But um, yes, so don't go to bars to find a good catch. For sure. I love that lesson. Um, the other thing he said, now it's it's not my lesson, but the other thing he said was getting good with the dad, you get in good with the girl. And I don't agree with that. That's not the thing, right? I mean, that didn't happen in this movie for sure. Um, uh, sometimes the girl wants to rebel against the dad and that's just, that's just not going to work. But my first lesson is don't judge a place by its name. Queens? You know, there's also a place near us or near me here in California called Hawaiian Gardens. And you would think to yourself, wow, Hawaiian Gardens, lovely. Let's go there for vacation. No, no, no. You don't want to. It's it's the pits. It's just a dirty, ugly city down in the LA area, you know? So a name does not tell you what the place is like. <laughs> it does not. And I love how they picked it. You know, flip a coin, number one, you see his face on it, which is fun. And then, you know, where do we look? And then you see, oh, it's fit for a king. There's Queens. Yeah. I, I agree. I completely agree. Wasn't Spider-Man from Queens? Uh, yeah. 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 In uh, Captain America was from Brooklyn. I remember that yep. little interchange in Civil mm-hmm. War. So cool. Um, so I, this movie with, and I loved the bartender's other, it's not the lesson, but it kind of points to another, to the lesson. So he says, you got to get in good with the father. Like, don't get in good with her, get in good with the father. 
which I not necessarily, I think it's a good idea. Like you don't want to be on bad. Well, you don't want to be on bad terms with the dad for sure. Yes. But this got me thinking, and I don't know if we'll ever do the movie. So I'll definitely bring it up. Um, Hitch where Hitch tells the, you know, the guy, um, I can't remember his name, but tells him it's not about her at all. This event, even though you're like, man, this is great. I'm going to be, you know, going through this, uh, this, um, uh, art studio or whatever with her. No, it's absolutely not about her. It's about her friend. You get her friend loving you, then she will love you. So, you know, you got to get all those, because that basically pieces together where you don't, instead of just going after her and get her to love you and, and really just, you know, Hey, I really like this guy, get everybody else around her to like you. Then they influence her. That's nice. That makes a lot of sense. That was Kevin James's character. He was talking to in that one. Yeah, but good, good pull there. Good lesson for sure. Uh, My second lesson is do not pop the question until you know, she'll say yes. And ask her, don't try to sneak it back door through her dad. You know, Daryl screwed up by doing that whole marriage proposal thing at the house through her dad. Uh, Stupid man. You've got to know that she's going to say yes first. I guarantee I knew my wife was going to say yes before I asked her. It wasn't a surprise. (laughs) Absolutely. I think surprising, especially not even telling her and then announcing that you're engaged uh, is just rather, rather silly, but it, it really got her to realize who this guy actually is. You know, she was thinking like, why, why was I even with him? And then Eddie Murphy's character, or Akeem saying, I was wondering that myself. And what I also like, so that leads into my, my third lesson, which is an exact same part where she said, she asked him, did I overreact? And Akeem said, and I think it's obviously a, can be a little selfish too, because he wants her to realize, yes, you were fine. But what he said was, you, I found that usually your first reaction is the right one. Obviously it's good, you know, so he's, but I think it's also, there's truth to that because that's, that's who you are. That's your first reaction is you could always second guess yourself, but usually your first reaction is the right one to go with. I agree with you. I love that lesson right there for sure. Um, Cause that, that just speaks, I mean, how, how you react to it, it's uh, it just speaks to where your heart is, you know, where your heart lies and what triggers you right away for sure. Um, my last lesson is it's good to be the King, right? King Joffrey Joffrey, he can change tradition if he wants. His wife said, just like at the beginning of the podcast, you said the same thing. I mean, King, the King said, who am I to change? And she goes, you're the King. You can do whatever you want. And it is good to be the King for sure. So for everybody looking on YouTube, you'll see this. I don't know if it actually shows up very well. You probably can't read it. It's backwards. Or is it backwards to you? Uh, no, it's forwards. Yeah, I can read it. Good. It says, it's good to be the king. So that's my, my third one. I literally wrote it there. But as I was talking, I was like, you know what? I want to give a little more um, profound lesson from a king. <laughs> and this is a good one, which, you know, your first reaction. But I literally wrote it out. It's good to be the king. And you, yep. you remember what movie that was from, right? Um, it's good to be the king. Princess Bride? No. No, Robin Hood. no. That, Mel, what? Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Was it Men in Tights? Yes. Well, there was a poor part when he goes, it's good to be the king, and he, and he French kisses whatever. Yes, that was Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks uh-huh. was saying that. Yes, that's a Mel yeah. Brooks line. So, yeah, when, when I wrote that down, I was like, oh, that reminded me of Mel Brooks. Yeah. Yep. Totally. So, um, what oh. is the prop that you would want? I already know what I want, and I, you might have picked it, but what's your prop? It was the easiest decision out of, you know, everything here with lessons and stuff. Um, King Joffy Joffer's lion stole. My good. Wait, are you saying that's what you want or that's what yes, I would want? That's what I want. Okay. That's what I want. Absolutely. <laughs> as soon because towards the tail end of the movie, I start thinking, usually I try to get to think, 
what's the prop? What is the prop? And literally five seconds after that, boom, you see King Joffrey Jeffer appear in America and he's wearing that like, oh, there it is. (laughs) Yeah. That would be awesome to have. I mean, just, just up on the wall right there. Would love to have. Actually, I'd probably wear it around the house too, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You wear it to work. Which is yeah. your living room or your exactly. you know, your, your office and your yep, house. Yep. <laughs> totally. Good, good. Um, oh, the last thing, Monday morning quarterback. Mine is that King Joffe Joffer should have had Semi kind of as his confidential informant, right? Like he should have told Semi from the start, you're there to protect him, to watch him, to see what's going on. But check in with me every three days and let me know what's happening. You know, he. I mean, I know he trusts his son. His son's smart, of course. Akeem knows what he's doing, can handle himself. But still, I mean, your son's going to America for the first time. Semi should have informed him of what was going on the whole time. Man, that's a great point because that would have solved a lot of problems. And, oh, my goodness. So that goes into my, my um, uh, Monday morning quarterback is don't, when you're going to ask for money, don't ask for a million dollars. Like <laughs> he should have said like a hundred thousand, like this was back in what, 1993, I think. Yes. And so in there, money was not as prep. And I'm gonna say prep, that's not the right way to say it. It wasn't as expensive. So a million dollars literally today in 2020 is not like it was in 1993. A million dollars is like $3 million probably. Back then. And so when you're asking for a million dollars, that's $3 million or even $5 million, whatever it might be. I remember watching a, um, uh, Bill, Bill Cosby did a uh, stand-up comedian show. It was back in like the 80s. It was like 83, 84, something like that. I watched, I, obviously I was only like four or five years old when it came out, but I watched a rerun of it or, you know, watched it on tape or something. And he said that he was driving a $14,000 Ferrari. I was like, whoa, $14,000? Like nowadays, that's like nothing. Like, like yeah. literally everybody has for in America has $14,000 or they can get a loan for $28,000 really quickly. But yeah, so the way money moves, a million dollars back then was so much more than it is now. And so, I mean, shoot, if you need a million dollars or say need, he says 400,000, then go to 500,000. I would say literally start at like 50,000. Like how are you going to spend that much money? But here's, okay, here's something. Obviously me being... Uh, American back in 1776, I stopped caring about Royal people. I stopped caring about Royal weddings and all that sort of stuff back in 1776. And so thinking about all this money that they're spending, even though he's the King, he has to get the money from the people. So I'm looking down the line. That's the people's money that are giving him to wipe his backside and, you know, get the penis washed and all that sort of stuff. And just literally give away a $500,000 pair of earrings. I was like, that's the people's money. But apparently yeah. they love him. It seems like it. You know, the, the, the bowing down from the, the restroom. Oh, just the man I met in the restroom. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's my perspective is literally don't shoot for the moon. Like just, just get what you need. Totally. I agree with you a hundred percent right there. Um, my final grade for this movie is an A. I loved it. Abs- I would recommend it to anybody. If you like comedies, this is for you. After watching it again, I, I thought it was going to be just an A, but I have to give an A plus. I just oh. thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it. And the storytelling was really, really fun. The jokes were really fun. Bringing the comedic elements of Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall dressing up as different characters and playing different parts. Uh, shoot, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Samuel L. in the same movie. What? That's just awesome. All that combined for me, it's an A+. I will absolutely be able to watch it over and over again. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. So uh, any final words on uh, Coming to America, Dust? 
I strongly think everybody should watch it. They have not watched it. They absolutely should. It's a fantastic movie. I am in full agreement. So uh, this was your choice this week. Next week, I want to choose one that you talked about on a recent episode, but I want to just stay in the comedy vein. And it's another old comedy that I haven't seen for years, but I'm hoping it holds up. It's a Val Kilmer special called Top Secret. What do you think about that? I love Val Kilmer. If if I could marry somebody, it would probably be Val Kilmer. Yep. But I'm already married, so I can't. I'm just no, uh-uh. no, no, just kidding. Val Kilmer is awesome. I love everything from, I. you just watch him in Top Gun, you know, just Top Gun. Just that alone is like, man, Val Kilmer's amazing. And then going to Top Secret, because we didn't watch Top Secret before Top Gun. We watched Top Gun first and then Top Secret. But Val Kilmer's amazing. I'm totally down. Let's do Top Secret. Awesome, man. I'm glad to hear that. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your ears. If you're watching on YouTube, we love those eyeballs. Thank you so very much. And of course, we want to hear from you. So go to our show notes page, watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod 90, that's pod 90, and leave a comment. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment right there as well. Thank you very much. All righty then. My name was Sky. And I'm Dusty. And we will return next week with... Top Secret!